All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You're listening to Oilers Nation Radio, presented by The Nation Network. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Oilers Nation Radio, episode 91. It is the, uh, you can call it the Pyarvi Svensson. The MPS. The MPS episode. Or Mike Comrie 2.0, whichever you prefer. Remember that preseason game, know. man, when they were like chanting his name? Yeah, because like I was, uh, I was traveling at the time. Didn't he have like? Didn't he get like a hat trick and a scrap or something? Like it was a big, big game. Yeah, I was, I was at that game too. I think it was, I think it was against the Flames actually in the preseason. And yeah, he he scored, got an assist, and got into a scrap or something like that. It was a wild game. I remember also a preseason game where I watched Magnus Pyarvi score a hat trick, <laughs> yeah. and I thought it was against Tampa. And I yep. thought that, I'm like, oh, fuck, this guy might be the best of the three of them, meaning mm-hmm. Taylor Hall, Everlay, <laughs> and Pajarvi. Well, <laughs> my favorite what are you do? memory is Igor Ulanov getting an intent to injure penalty back in the uh, <laughs> early 90s because he swung his stick at a guy. Well, in the preseason. You know what? Preseason has got, like, even just like training camp leading into preseason has got some hilarious memories. Like, remember when Ben Eager got Ben Eager, that was what I was going to say. In the Joey Moss Cup? And then he was just never the same. Yeah, I think career. Where did that Russian kid go? Like nobody knows. Never heard from him again. Um, As always, I want to thank our friends at Sherwood Ford the Giant out in beautiful Sherwood Park, Alberta, home of not just Sherwood Ford but the Edmonton Donair champion, famous Donair, crowned this morning from Sherwood Park. Jared in sales called me this morning. He was so excited that he had to get a sneak peek on how the votes went before I made the announcement. He That's was, how he, big it was. He had a single-man push going on. I saw some stuff on Twitter. He was calling people out, trying to get them, uh, everyone to help him win that one. Well, it was hilarious because Famous knocked out Jay's pick, Mom's Donair, to get into the finals. So Jay, knowing that Jared is a famous guy, did like a heel turn on Jared and started pushing... <laughs> For Mainas yesterday, very aggressively. That's what. Okay, I, that's what I missed. Needless to say, the Edmonton Donair Championship, the first annual Edmonton Donair Championship, was passionate sure, to say the least. The, the place from Beaumont. Beaumont, like the entire town of Beaumont, basically voted. The yeah. city, like the city's official accounts, were sharing it. Like businesses were sharing it. It was impressive. The true but, champions were kicked out in round one. After that, it went. It went sideways. I. Yeah, sorry guys. Top prime time. They should have gone further. I'm a boxer guy myself. <laughs> and see, like I, I what this was for me 
is an opportunity to try a lot of donor shops. Overall, we had 40 in the mix, down to one. It took about six weeks to get here, but we did it. We did. Well, it. I bet you. I bet you. If you ask the owners of Famous and and some of the the later exits, uh, they'll probably they'll probably tell you that they've seen a bump in their business just just because people are going to be interested to check them out, and and people should check out all the places on that on that list and support local. Well, like that's this, and, like the Stepankos and Surveyor Brett going to like every place we had it out there. Well, and that's exactly what it's about, right? It was all about getting people out into local business, having some fun. Donairs are such an Edmonton thing. Sorry, Dan Halifax. But <laughs> uh, there's such like a local thing that everybody's got their shop, and it was just fun. It was a fun way to spend six weeks, get people out. And to answer Dan's question, we got DMs on Instagram. We got DMs on Facebook. We got them on Twitter everywhere from shop owners just being like, hey, thank you for doing this. We know it was all in fun. Um it was all about getting people out. And like Rick said, the Stepankos, Surveyor Brett, they're checking them all out. And I encourage you to do the same. Check our socials for the entire bracket. Now, I want to start off today's podcast. We talked about it a little bit yesterday on Real Life, but I want to talk about it again today. Right now, boys, there is a Connor McDavid rookie card up for auction at Leyland's Auctions. It has got seven hours and 45 minutes left on the bid as we start recording here just after 1 p.m. in Edmonton. Right now, the current bid, the high bidder right now, is (laughs) $93,534 U.S. That's U.S. So according to a quick little uh, quick website here, converting into Canadian, that's about $127,000, give or take. Is that Wanya who's got that bid in or what? Maybe if it was like an Eberle one in his rookie year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, but hey. yesterday. I got a real nice Jordan Eberle rookie card up here in my office, actually. I should, uh, should pawn that off on someone. Well, that brings me to the question here, Merch Daddy, is obviously 128 grand on our Connor McDavid rookie card yeah. is somebody with some serious fuck you money. Yeah. So I got a couple of questions for you. Uh, Tyler, I'll start with you because you probably. I mean, maybe you were Rick. So I'll start with you guys. Have the most probably memorabilia out of any of us. Mm -hmm. If you're looking at a piece that you love, and Dan, I know you've been on stuff at silent auctions at Nation Events as well. What's your like, if you find something that's your perfect piece, like Mm -hmm. for me as an example, let's say it's an autographed nude something. And I'm like, man, I need to have that. What's your ceiling? Yeah, I mean, it kind of varies person to person. Um, like, this McDavid card, let me just first, for those who are wondering how a hockey card gets to be worth $120,000, um, the reason this card, I, I did this yesterday on Real Life, but I feel like there's some people who are like, I don't get why it's that expensive. So it's from a product called The Cup, which is the highest end type of hockey card there is. It's uh, one tin of these cards, comes with seven hockey cards in it, and it costs around $700 for a tin when the product first drops. So you're paying you're, you're paying 100 bucks a card, essentially, just to get this. Um, this McDavid card is from his rookie year. So 2015-16 is the product year. Um, it's called the Rookie Patch Auto. So it's from his rookie year. It's autographed by McDavid, and it comes with a piece of, uh, a patch of his game-worn jersey. And this one has, like, a beautiful patch in it. Has uh, three different colors, all that stuff. And it's serial numbered to 99, which means there's only 99 of these available. And this particular McDavid card is number 97. So it's even more valuable because it's his jersey number. It's also been professionally graded to be a 9 out of 10 in terms of quality. So it's pretty much as nice as it can get. It's in brand spank and new shape and all that. So that's why that particular card is worth so much. Um, for me, ah, like it, it would really depend on the product, right? Because like I follow- Would you go to 1000 bucks? Well, and again, like this McDavid card, if... I, if I was in some random auction and some guy was selling that and it was at $5,000, man, I'm jumping all over that. I'm putting a ton of money into it because I know how much it's going to be worth down the road. Same thing for like, you know, if I ran into someone who was like, hey, I'm getting rid of these old hockey cards. I have a Connor McDavid Young Gun rookie card. I would be more than willing to spend over five, six, seven, eight hundred $800 on that card because I know in my brain like how much that's going to be worth in five years. So... For me, I would look at it more as an investment to gauge like how much I should be putting into it. If it's something that I think is just really cool but like doesn't have a lot of value, 
I'd say my cap for just like a nonsensical memorabilia purchase is probably like 50 bucks. But if I think there's value in this thing and I can like potentially turn a profit in a few years, for me as a collector, and that's kind of like what I do, it's my hobby in my spare time, I, I have no problem like getting serious if I think I can flip this thing. Do you have anything in your current collection that would be deemed valuable or at least trending that way? Yeah, I got a, I have a Connor McDavid uh, Young Gun rookie card that I bought for like 150 bucks off someone. And I went and got it graded actually. So that one's worth, it's worth a bit. Like it'll get over, a, if I wanted to put it on eBay or whatever, like it'd probably go for like over a thousand bucks. I have a lot of like Euler stuff just kind of hanging around. I couldn't tell you like off the top of my head how valuable any of it is. Um, but my favorite one that I have in my collection, again, I said this on Real Life yesterday, I kept the program from the Oilers' first game back into the playoffs in 2017. I eventually got it signed by Zach Cassian as well. And that one's cool for me because, like, I went with my dad. We were we were Oilers season ticket holders for so long. I never really got to see a playoff game in my formative years of being a hockey fan. So that's one that, like, has some sentimental value. I also, my dad has a program because he was at the first Oilers WHA game at Rexall Place or Northlands Coliseum. And then me and him went to the last game. So I have those two programs, but I have them away in a box. I don't keep them out and about. So for me, like my favorites are the ones that I can kind of like hold near and dear and have like some sentimental value, right? Well, that was going to be my follow-up question. So like, would you say that program from the playoffs would be your most kind of sentimental item? Yeah, I think so. And I mean, like when I look around kind of at what I have out right now, like it's probably worth the absolute least, right? But it's the one that I always look at and it always brings a smile to my face because I'm like, oh damn, like that was such a fun day. That was such a fun night. That was such a good little playoff run there. So, uh, yeah, I'd say that one's probably, like, number one on my list. Rick, what about you? You got anything in your collection that is either, A, actually worth some money, or, B, just a sentimental value that it doesn't really matter what it's worth? Uh, yeah, I've got a couple things. Uh, I know, actually, through work, I've gotten a couple things. I got a big Grant Fear picture that they got signed for me. And then um, I actually got a, a signed Connor jersey from his first year so before he signed his upper deck shit and all that yeah um one of my buddies actually just went to his house and got it signed and that was i can't remember what exactly it was given to me for no uh, big actually, deal I, that's a minor flex there <laughs> right uh, i also have a couple uh i do have a couple of uh, programs at home too i know i've got a couple from the heritage game the gretzky retirement game in edmonton and whatever 99 i think i have a, a yari curry one um and a couple others that are just kind of small like that oh i do have a i still have my ticket from the uh the wayne gretzky from the the wayne gretzky game as well um they gave everybody your ticket you got you got to put on a lanyard little plastic thing and then i've got a stick signed by the last team to win the cup um the 90 oh, what, yeah the 91 team uh my dad gave that to me for a birthday he told me for your birthday present you're getting a whole bunch of toothpicks so that was kind of the running joke for the month before my birthday. And then, uh, yeah, I got a stick with signs from, you know, from Ranford to Lowe's and McTavish. Everybody on that team is uh, is there. So I think that's, I think the stick is probably my number one. And to the original question. So, like, we're not going to, none of us are going to be dropping $127,205 on this McDavid auction. But, like, if you see a piece that you like, what would you be comfortable throwing down on? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little dumber there. So if it's, you know, if I'm not reselling it or anything like that, if it's just something to put on my wall or a shelf or something, I'd probably put 100, 200 bucks on it just for some whatever. And then, like Tyler said, if it was uh, something that I could turn around and resell later on for some serious value to turn up, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go figure out a way to put five grand down on a card that I know is going to be worth something. Mr. Daniel, I've seen you bid on uh, some silent auction items at some nation events. Let's talk merch. What do you got? How much would you spend, and what's most sentimental to you? I've got, I've got a pretty good uh, random smattering of stuff. Uh, I'm kind of in the same vein as Rick there with like, and and Tyler too. Um, stuff has to have a, a meaning to me, and and more than just you know, uh, mostly value. Uh, so I have like a signed Warren Moon Hel Eskimos helmet. I've got a a picture of Henry Gizmo Williams doing one of his patented backflips signed by Gizmo. Um, I've got Mike Weir, a Mike Weir uh, photo that's signed by him right after he won the Masters. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big Dolphins that... guy, so I got one of those, you know those Eskimo mini balls? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got one of those. So when Ricky Williams was playing for the Argos, 
I was working at a place that used to have to do the uh, tailgates for Eskimo games. So after the game, I waited out for uh, for an hour or whatever it took, and I actually got Ricky Williams' signature on a little uh, a little plush Eskimo football. That's dope. Yeah, and then so and then like for the weird stuff, like I one time I, I was in Vegas, and it was right around the time that ESPN put out a documentary about uh, Pete Rose. Now where he was now, it turned out he was in a store in Vegas selling his merchandise, signed merchandise. So I went down and met Pete Rose, and that was probably the most awkward conversation I've ever had with another human being in my life. Um, the guy was, like, trying to sell me on, like, upsell me on. He would write that he cheated or he bet on baseball if I paid an extra, like, $400. Um, <laughs> That's sweet, though. What a fucking baller. So, but so it's, like, you know, like, funny stories like that. But my, my most prized possessions that I have, uh, and I always kind of told myself that I wouldn't just go out and buy – uh, memorabilia of an oiler that I'd fallen in love with, but but I have a signed Connor McDavid photo, and then I have a signed Connor McDavid jersey. Same thing as Rick. I got it right before the upper deck deal came in. I heard I heard through the grapevine that the upper deck deal was coming down, and so I grabbed it before that. And that's the most I've ever spent on memorabilia. And I don't imagine that I'll ever spend more than you know the I think it was five hundred or six hundred dollars. Got that a bargain! Jersey. Holy shit! Yeah, that's now like fifteen hundred kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So oh, and like and like. My dream memorabilia, and I don't know if you guys have a dream memorabilia for yourselves, but would be a signed Gretzky jersey, and that that runs now in like the tens of thousands just to get it from a store. So it's uh, that would be a dream of mine, though. Which I always found weird, like with the Gretzky jerseys, like and signed stuff being as expensive as it is, because he is by no means shy of signing things. Do you know what I mean? It's not like he's yeah. I only signed a hundred jerseys ever and that's it. No more. Um, So that's why I always found it weird. Just to round out the conversation. I'm not a big memorabilia guy. I said it here before. My most sentimental is I've got some programs from the Skyreach Center days uh, where you used to be able to go outside and hang out in front of the Oilers dressing room and they would sign your stuff. Another question just while I'm wrapping up mine is think of your most random autograph that you got because I just came up with the one that I have and it's hilarious. Um, so my most prized possession is probably not worth a whole lot of anything, but Bill Ranford, I was standing outside the Oilers dressing room. I was probably about six or seven, somewhere in there. And he came over, chatted a couple of minutes. It might have even been 30 seconds now that I'm thinking about it, but for me, it felt like an eternity. He was asking about hockey, what position I played, and blah, blah, blah. And he just kind of signed my program. And to me, it's just kind of sitting there, but I love it. It reminds me of a time when I got to go to games with my dad when I was a little kid, got me to be an Oilers fan for life, and that's kind of where it's at. Um, as far as how much I would I spend, I don't know. Like, what do I get from you, Nuge? Like, <laughs> let, let's make a deal. Let's make a deal. Um, but back to the other question that I just came up with, who is your most random autograph you got or maybe most obscure or interesting or something like that? I was thinking of mine as I was thinking back to the people that signed my programs. I've got a Polaroid with Marius Tchaikovsky that he signed. <laughs> Polish friend. That one's hilarious to me. And I've also got Zdeno Seeger's autograph. Ooh, from, yeah, number eight from when you were able to go stand outside the dressing room and i'll never forget the photo that he signed because he's got that hilarious jofa helmet that i wish they still made i mean it's not safe at all but they were (laughs) hilarious so i'm gonna go around the horn really quickly just to wrap this up who's your most random obscure interesting whatever autograph that you've got doesn't even have to be hockey whoever you got tyler Uh, what do you think i i remember my uncle used to ref the skills competitions and he would always take me down to like the bowels of of rexall place after and i'd go wait for him to finish getting changed and we'd go home and once, uh, it was after 06, and Dick Tarnstrom was now on the Columbus Blue Jackets, and they were playing in town yes. the next day, and he, like, signed my program. I also have this one here, man. A nice little, uh, where is that one? Nail Yakupov autographed card. I love a yak. Man, when I got that card, I was like, holy shit, this is a gold mine. This is going to be worth thousands one day. I was so stoked. <laughs> it's, worth, it's probably worth, like, 10 bucks now. I did see that Yak just got traded in the KHL yeah. just this last sure week, and it was like for cash consideration, cash consideration. or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Ricky, anybody obscure you got over there? You know what? So I forgot one. So the last Rexall game of the year, downstairs at Rexall, they had a huge party afterwards. A super, super like uh, Wanye and Jay didn't know about it. They like went to Gregor, and Gregor didn't tell him about it. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway, through work somehow, I was able to weasel my, weasel my way down there. So there's me and a couple of buddies down there. They gave away, they, you could just pick them up. There's ceramic cookie uh, cookie jars with Euler logos on it. 
but we got all of our tickets signed. So I've got all sorts of weird signatures and guys downstairs. But, uh, so I knew, I kind of knew Gazdick through work a little bit. So when we were talking to him, my buddy's like, Oh, you got to sign on the back of his car, but write to him that you're a pussy. So I've got a, on the back of this card. That's exactly what Gaz wrote. I'll, <laughs> it's at home. So I, when I get home, like later on tonight or tomorrow, whatever, I'll take a picture and I'll, and I'll post it. But yeah, it's one of the weirdest ones I think I have. That was pretty random. I'll, uh, <laughs> before we move on, I'll still never forget in my life. We were doing a joint merch launch with VG. And we were at the Pine. Do you remember this, Rick? The boys yeah. of VG were up here. Luke Gazdick was there because they were launching the Luke Gazdick shirt, which I was coincidentally wearing yesterday, by the way. And he tells us this story that there is a handful of NHLers, active oh, NHLers, ridiculous. that do not play with a can. And yeah, I could awesome. not believe this. That is shocking to me. How does anybody let this happen? How could you let yourself go out there and play hockey without a can on? I don't know. I don't know. Didn't make any sense to me. Dan, who you got? Uh, my my random ones are, are very obscure. It's uh, I got a couple of like Halifax moose heads. So <laughs> I used one of my first jobs was working at a movie theater, and a couple of times, just different times, I would I would have like former moose heads come through my line. And of course, I'm a teenager, and you know, junior hockey big thing out there. And I got all giddy. There's one guy named Rain <laughs> Carnegie who was just a, he, he was just a, a, a goon kind of guy, uh, went out and beat the shit of one guy, um, probably like two days before I met him in the lineup, serving him popcorn. And, uh, and then I just like, <laughs> I think he was walking away and I was like, Rain, can I get your autograph? And so he's like, I guess, man. And he just like signed a bag of popcorn or something. I have that somewhere randomly in my collection. See, like, but that's what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? You've got somebody's signature on a bag of popcorn. Like, what? Yeah. That's so random. I love, I've seen it a couple of times before. Like, I'm one of those people that if I see oh. an oiler out in public, I won't go bother them ever. I have no interest. But I was at the mall. When, I was at West Ed one time, and I saw Doug Waite. I, it was during the Brick tournament, so maybe his kid was playing or something. I have no idea. But somebody walked up to him with just, like, this haggard, you know those, like, really dry crinkly scrapey paper towels that you get in public bathrooms what the? that's what this person presented doug Waite to sign and he didn't have a pen nice. i love that i just i, that. I, so I hope i that just remembered i just remembered my most obscure one it's, i got rick you're in a wind tunnel at, man you gotta rick, hop out yeah, of there wind tunnel, oh, i'm at the patio that's fine i'll go inside <laughs> um i was working uh radio or cbc radio security uh and Child entertainer Fred Penner was a guest on the show, nice. and I asked and I asked him for an autograph, and all he had in his hand was his ripped up name tag. So he pieced it back together for me and signed it with like it's it's a delightful signature. I'll try and see if I can get a picture of it. Uh, it's got like music notes and everything in it, but anyways, I have a Fred Penner autograph. Was Wordbird there? No, no, he was all by himself. He was talking about politics, strangely enough. Tyler, do you have any idea who Fred Penner is? No. <laughs> I didn't think so. He used to crawl through a log, man. He would crawl through a log into like this fantasy place and you would talk to a blue jay named Jacob. He seems like a, a joke. <laughs> wow. I mean, it was a kid show. It was a kid show. You bite your tongue, Tyler. Yeah, you relax. You relax. I hope that pizza burns your mouth. I'm mm-hmm. eating a muffin now, actually. You, you turn into, you, you've turned into ON Radio J. You were always having snacks during the podcast. Yeah. Uh, jump, gentlemen, today marks a dark anniversary in Edmonton Oilers history. I know we none have of to us talk, want to about, talk about it. Uh, frankly, I wrote a history piece about the dominating performance in Game 6 the other day on The Nation, and I ended it by saying the series ended there, as far as I know. <laughs> Pretty sure Game 7 never happened. Don't look that up. But today marks 14 years since the Edmonton Oilers lost out to the Carolina Hurricanes in the Stanley Cup Finals. It was a Cinderella run. They made the playoffs in like the second last game or something like that. Nobody expected them to get past Detroit. Nobody expected them to get past Anaheim and San Jose, yet they did, and there they were, down three games to one, battled back into a seventh game. Unfortunately, it was not meant to be. And Tyler, I know that leads you into our Sherwood Ford giant question of the week. Yeah, you know me. I'm an eternal optimist. I don't like dwelling on the negatives or anything like that. Um, so this week, the Sherwood Ford giant question, based on 06, 
But I don't want to focus on the sad memory of them losing in seven. I want to focus on the good memories before that. So the question is, what is your favorite memory from the 2006 Stanley Cup run? I'm going to start with you, actually, Tyler, just because yeah. you were you were like you were a toddler at the time. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious, what was your best memory that you can think of from 2006? So I'll, I'll give you two answers here. Like I have a few. I remember, uh, be like I was younger, and at one point, me and my dad had like drive my sister to a dance competition, and I like remember hearing a goal on the radio, and my dad like got really excited. Uh, he took me to Game Six though of the Stanley Cup Final. So I, I remember Ooh. that. I remember the Torres goal pretty vividly. Like, I, I remember that game, and I remember how loud it was in the ring. So I'm really happy that I do have, like, that one memory, which is probably one of the better memories of the whole run. But my answer is actually going to be the one I go back and watch the most and still get the happiest rewatching is Alish Hemsky's goal against Detroit round <laughs> one. Because without that goal, I mean, the whole run might not happen, right? So mm-hmm. for me, it's that, retired, it's that Hemsky goal and it's those game six highlights. Retired Steve Eiserman. Yeah. I, uh, it's funny you said that, Dan, because I was at that game. Uh, it was Eiserman's last NHL game and I still have my ticket stub somewhere and it's not signed or anything. It's just in a box, but like, it's just one of those things like, Oh yeah, I was at Eiserman's last game. You should send it to him and see if he'll sign it. Or I can just <laughs> go to Detroit and find him. That's true. Might not be that way more, way more effective. Yeah. And it's an adventure. It's an adventure. Mm -hmm. Rick, your favorite memory from 2006. It's tough. I mean, that Hemsky goal is definitely right up there. There's the uh, triple overtime goal versus San Jose. But the one thing that I, this is more about a certain player than anything else. And maybe just guys from that era though. When Fronger put that puck into Smith's mouth. Yep. And then he just went and got like stitched up like four feet behind the bench. Like didn't even walk into like where by close to the bar. He just got in that one little alley and they stitched up his mouth right there. And he was back within whatever. He didn't miss a ship. He got an assist like, on the winner. Yeah. Like that, that stuff was, that stuff was incredible, man. That stuff you'll never, that's, you know, you'll never forget it. But that was just the type of player he was. And that was the type of team we had though at the time. Like you, 10 of those guys would have done the exact same thing, if not more. Mr. Nation Dan? Well, Rick kind of just buried the lead with mine, but yes. my favorite memory is the triple OT goal from Sean Horkoff. But an obscure memory I have from that playoff run. So that was like, I think that was like, I feel like that was like the start of the internet being like a fun place to be a sports fan. Like Twitter hadn't even started yet. Um, you know, it, everybody was just kind of all over the place. And I, I remember this one web series, and I'm going to send you guys the link so that you guys can all see it too. Um, but it's called Knob Hockey. And it was this guy that just had these table hockey sets. And it was it was this video he did of Ilya Brzgalov. So so for those of us who don't remember, Brzgalov was, was – there was an image of Brzgalov just kind of looking around. I mean, he's a space case to begin with. But he's looking around the crowd, and the crowd is singing Oh Canada, and he is just in awe of – of what's going on. And, and so they kind of took his, they took, they like personified exactly what you think of Ilya Brzgalov now back then where he was just like, it's this like internal conversation he's having with himself about not shooting his pants. And he just, you know, it's his big, it's his big moment. And uh, anyways, it's a hilarious little internet video that, that always reminds me of, of 2006 in that run. And they had another video about Ryan Smith getting hit in the face of the puck. And he actually ripped the face of the little, uh, table hockey guy and and made a muffled voice for Ryan Smith. So yeah, it's it's it was it was just a a fun time to be an Oilers fan all around. Eh? Yeah, and that kind of leads into my best memories of 2006 as well. Um, I want to stay away from the hockey a little bit, and I want to focus three specific memories that I have on fans, Oilers fans in the playoffs. Like, if you think about now in 2020, or I guess not 2020, but like. T- earlier they call rogers place the library and we're all quiet blah 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 but in the playoffs that does not happen this city erupts in the playoffs and my favorite memories there were three after game six against detroit the oilers closed out the series i probably high-fived two thousand people leaving rexall place that night but my favorite memory was actually driving home down 118th ave two dudes had dragged a trampoline into the middle of the road on 118th Ave and they were jumping eight, 10 feet in the air 
on this trampoline in the middle of the road. And my favorite part about it was that nobody was mad. Zero people were upset about it. They were all honking and everybody was on the same page. One of you guys brought up the, the Horkov overtime goal in the triple overtime. Again, the fans, I was lucky enough to be at that game. They ran out of beer at Rexall. And I don't remember which period it was after, but the deafening boo that came from all the fans at Rexall Place when they ran out of beer was one of my favorite things on earth. It was hilarious. Also that game, honorable mention, Dwayne Rollison with that ridiculous glove save on Jordan uh, on Chichu. Like that was nuts. I remember thinking it was a sure goal. Roley stopped it. There was he was just out of this world during that run until I mean we don't have to talk about what happens. But then that like, was Rocket. That was Rocket Richard winning Jonathan Chichu too. Exactly, exactly. And uh, my third memory is from going down to White Ave after games, and there was a time when the when the street was just shut off, there was no traffic going through and it's, it was on the corner where chapters used to be. There's a telephone line that crosses the street there and I'm walking down the road with my buddies and camera phones weren't really a thing. I mean, you could get like a grainy photo maybe, but this guy was shimmying across the phone line in the across white Ave, And I'm looking up and I'm like, Holy shit, this guy is nuts. And then all of a sudden his grip gave way and he just fell into the crowd. And there was just this burst of cheers that erupted as if it was a huge goal when he popped up fine, completely uninjured. And it was just like, Oilers fans are bananas and we deserve playoffs. And I just want to experience some of that again. I even think about 2017 when we were at the pint, when they closed out that first series against San Jose and I had to jump on the radio with Reed Wilkins immediately after. And his only request for me is that I didn't swear live on the air. And I thought, I was like, man, I did great on that radio hit last night. No problem. And then I heard it the next day. Good Lord. That was just shocking that I was on the radio in that state because we had probably drank all kinds of tequila by that point, probably put back a couple of team pitchers as well. So I love the playoffs. I love Oilers fans. And my best memories from 2006 are the fans. They make it. And I love it. Does that answer the question, Tyler? Sherwood Ford, you happy with that? Of course you are. That's a hell of an answer. Thank you. I rattled on. I rattled on. Uh, Changing gears entirely, I do want to talk about something that was a little bit fun today. Um, But first, I want to shout out our friends at skipthedishes.ca. They are keeping us fed tonight. I have no food in my house. So I'm going to be doing a Rick this evening. I will be getting myself an appetizer from one place. Already mapped it out. I will be getting some delicious delicious Chinese food from a place called Lang's here in the West End. Um, I'm very, very excited about it. GetTheDish.ca wants to make sure that you're fed. They want to make sure that you're safe. Contactless delivery is available. And mm-hmm. we do encourage you. It's much easier to take my dog. Yeah. We're hitting the, in, the ins and outs of the tight right now. <laughs> we are getting a behind-the-scenes look at what's going on in a local business right now. Unbelievable. Uh, skip the dishes.ca. <laughs> dishes. Thank you for helping make this possible. Uh, gentlemen, I want to change gears a little bit. Uh, Jason Greger just posted an article at OilersNation.com about the heart debate. People love to say that the goalposts move, myself included, Gregor and I got into it on Twitter a little bit the other day. Uh, He loves to argue, and I love to argue with him because it's fun. I still maintain that, we talked about this last Friday, that the Ted Lindsay is the ward that I would personally care about. But today we're talking about the heart, and I specifically want to bring up a quote from David Pasternak, who was in the mix to be included as a finalist, where he said, absolutely no question, it's going to be and should be Leon Dreisaitl. He told reporters last Monday during a conference call. What do you guys think about this hard debate? Do the goalposts move? I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it. We did it last week, but am I wrong when I said to Gregor that the goalposts move on this award every year? They do. For certain people, I think, too. For certain people, like the guys who got to go out there and do whatever, I think some guys do. But for the, in general, I think it's supposed to sit inside the same goalpost. But for individuals who get a vote for it, I think that will shift a little bit to the left or right. Rick, we all know that you're throwing shade at Greg Wish- Greg Wyshynski. That's all right, man. Oh, I can't stand that guy. That guy's an idiot. <laughs> but but you know what? Greg, Greg gets people talking. He does a great job of it. Yeah. 
That's what, the guy, I mean, it's the thing, that guy talks like, more about the Oilers than anybody else. And he sits there and talks about all of our first-round draft picks while his Devils are doing the exact same fucking thing. The guy's an idiot. The, pa- the Pasternak comments, uh, we'll, put, we'll put the Wyshynski topic to bed for now, uh, but the Pasternak comments for me is just big because that's a guy in the Eastern Conference. He sees Leon Dreisaitl twice a year, if that, and and he's still got the same opinion that you know that all Euler fans do. So it's, I mean, it, it comes back to the fact that the Ted Lindsay is a more is a more uh, deserving trophy in the sense that it's your peers making that decision and not not some media guys. But uh, but yeah, I mean, when Pasternak, a guy who sees Leon so little, still recognizes that Drysdale was the reason that the team was as good as they are this year. That's enough for me. Tyler, final word. Do the goalposts move on this award or no? Yeah, I think obviously a lot of reporters, I'm not going to sit here and be like all of them, and I'm not going to bash the PWHA or anything like that, but I do think there are some reporters who have biases, whether they acknowledge them or not, or even aware of them or not. But uh, yeah, I think there are definitely some biases that exist, but what what are you going to do, right? That's the that's the way that award works. It's the Hart Trophy and you know, the MVP of the league as voted on by the professional writers. The Lindsay says it's for the players, we talked about this last week. I think I'd rather be, you know, if I was given an award of, you know, a fellow podcasters or podcast listeners, I think I might value one that comes from the other podcasters because, you know, they they kind of have, oh, that, that was a bit of a shitty example. But you know what I'm saying, right? You'd rather get the acknowledgement from your peers than from the people who don't go through what you go through every day. And I think that's the same thing in this debate here. Like, I'd rather get the acknowledgement from the guys I'm competing against and who are trying to stop me than the guys who are just sitting in the press box, that's myself included, right? Like, I'm not trying to disparage the PWHA, but I, I could see why a player would rather have the Lindsay Award. Looking at one voter specifically, TSN Gord Miller tweeted out his ballot. He has first place Dreisaitl, second place McKinnon, third place McDavid. So my question to you guys, is there any other team in the league that you could see in a heart trophy conversation that they have two guys, whether there's one, three, one, four, whatever it is, but two guys in the mix for a heart. Is there any other team that can do it right now? Maybe any Pittsburgh Eastern conference team. <laughs> I was going to say Pittsburgh because Sid and Sid Malkin. Yeah. Toronto for sure. Yeah. With Marner and Matthews. <laughs> that just brings me to that TSN tweet. Uh, <laughs> man, they're, they're so good at trolling. They are. And one thing I want to say about the Oilers fans, just let it go. Don't take the bait. Let it go. They had, a thing, they had a thing where it was like, and I'm going to fuck it up, but it was like, reply to this tweet if you would choose Connor McDavid to start your team. Retweeted if it's McKinnon and favorite if it's Matthews. And obviously on Twitter, anybody who's on Twitter knows that favoriting is the easiest possible way to interact with any tweet possible. So I just thought it was funny. I also thought the responses were funny. And again, I plead to my fellow Withers fans. Who cares, man? Who cares? Back to the original question. Any other team, realistically, Tyler, I know you're tongue-in-cheek here with your Toronto answer. Any other team, realistically, that where this could happen? Maybe Pittsburgh. Maybe, you know, and especially back when they were in the middle of their primes, you could say, you know, maybe it's Crosby and Malkin. But for me, I'm not sure if there is a team out there right now who, who could realistically have two players that are both deserving heart nominees. And I say deserving in there, and I mean that, like, are the Oilers as good as they are this year? Are the Oilers a playoff team without Leon Dreisaitl this season? Not a chance. Are the Oilers a playoff team without Connor McDavid this season? In my opinion, not a chance. So I think that they are both very deserving of being in that conversation. And it might surprise me a little, but it wouldn't you know, stun me if they're both nominees here. I think they might get enough respect from the writers. That would be pretty awesome, to be honest, if you see your finalists are just two Oilers and Nathan McKinnon. Because there's no doubt Nathan McKinnon deserves to be in the conversation. He I think he team. does, yeah. And I think Panarin does too, to an extent. That, that, But then there goes that conversation about moving the goalposts, right? Because New York, yeah, I mean, wasn't a playoff team. But they're in the tournament. We'll see, right? Who knows? Well, and, they, and that was, and when, when, correct me if I'm wrong, but they cast their ballots after they knew the playoff format? Yeah. Yeah, I they believe, were due, so. the yeah, they were due, due uh, the other day. recently. Yeah, so. But whatever. Again, point here, for me at least, Ted Lindsay deserves more love. That's it. We're going to move on. Uh, changing gears entirely this this week, Tyler, you wrote about a tough subject locally. Yeah. 
the U of A had to shut down its sports for the season. And you wrote about being worried about local sports. And I just kind of want to give you the floor and talk about why this matters and why more people need to care about it. Yeah, like I'll, I'll be the first, I'll start this conversation by saying that I'm 100% biased when it comes to this as well, because I spend most of my weekends throughout the winter. I'm either at Claire Drake Arena watching Golden Bears games, part of the broadcast team there. I'm in Sherwood Park covering Crusaders games for my junior hockey website. I'm at Rogers Place covering Oil Kings games as well for the nation and for TSN. Like I am fully embedded in, in, in the junior hockey community around here. I'm I'm proud to say that I cover that that sort of side of the sport because I love it. Like I love sort of the different aspects and like Claire Drake Arena specifically since since that was the news this week that there won't be Golden Bears hockey, basketball, volleyball, any of that this season. It sucks for me because I, I just look at that as a way for so many people who love the sport to connect with it in a level that's, you know, more personable and more affordable than NHL hockey. And you look at the University of Alberta and and what and who plays in those university hockey leagues like it's guys who don't want to give up on that dream of being professional hockey players and but at the same time they want to get an education u sports that was loud u sports allows them the opportunity to do that and like that league is so special in that regard because like i said you're getting an education while still trying to be a pro hockey player and the u of a churns out guys i mean Coonland Red Star in the KHL has a handful of guys who played on the Golden Bears two years ago. Like Derek Ryan in Calgary was a Golden Bear. Luke Phillips in the Calgary system. He's a Golden Bear as well. So it just really sucks that you're going to lose that year and lose that momentum. And then when it gets to the junior hockey side of the things, like the WHL came out and said they probably can't have a season without fans. The AJHL is in a bit of, bit of a different boat because they have smaller crowds. So even if we're only allowed gatherings of 200 people, the AJHL might survive. But I'm worried that there's going to be long-term impacts of this. And I, I know that there are a lot of industries that are struggling, and I understand that. But for me personally, to watch what might have to happen in junior hockey over the next 12 months and how it could impact the next decade of these small communities losing their teams and, and these leagues having to shrink, and that means less players getting the opportunity to pursue scholarships and continue playing the game they love. Like It just really sucks that this is all happening. And again, I don't want it to sound like I'm standing on some soapbox and saying we need to do more to save local sports. I'm just, I just want to bring some attention to, to what they're losing. And here in Edmonton, you know, it's not going to get the attention it deserves because the Oilers can come back in August and this city's going to be madly in love and hockey. But what would happen in communities like Drumheller if they lose their AJHL team? What's hockey look like there? What's their minor hockey look like in the next five years if they don't have an AJHL team? Like, you can talk to people from these small towns. Dan, you even said it. How big is junior hockey in Halifax where there's no pro hockey? How many kids grow up in Halifax idolizing the Halifax Mooseheads and wanting to become professional hockey players, not because of what they see on TV on Hockey Night in Canada, but because of what they can see by going to their local rink. And when I hear about these leagues potentially having to stop play for a year and how that could cause three, four teams in a league like the AJHL to not be able to come back, like... I, it, it sucks, man. Like you hear that and you think of the kids who aren't going to get to grow up going to Grand Prairie Storm games, who aren't going to get to go to a Camrose Kodiaks game and fall in love with the sport in their town. And I, I just think, you know, it, like I said, it doesn't get talked about very much here in Edmonton. As much as we do support local sports, just the NHL wave will come and it will completely forget about it. And I, I thank you for giving me the opportunity to kind of spew about that and talk about it a little bit because it's something I'm passionate about. And it really sucks that, I mean, this pandemic sucks for a handful of reasons, but this is one of them that, I mean, it, it really kind of hurts. Well said, Tyler. And also like, I mean, I want, I'll tie, I'm going to tie this into the NHL because like you, like you said, we're in Oilers city. There's no question that if the Oilers are able to get back on the ice in August, everybody's going to be fired up about it. However, looking ahead, who do you think feeds the NHL? their players it's these these development leagues like junior and guys that are going to have years of development just wiped out yeah and those are your future nhlers that you're going to be watching on a nightly basis so obviously it's important and i mean this is a hockey podcast so it's important yeah. that we talk about it we we bring some attention to local sports that are having a really tough time right now and the impact on we talk about growing the game a lot. There's always been growing the game abroad, blah, blah, blah. But like Tyler just said, for a lot of people, 
go into a junior game. Or I remember even growing up in a small town north of the city, we didn't have a junior team. Well, I mean, we did, but people people went out to support the midget triple eight and you would watch them and it was kind of like a rallying point for people and it was fun and it, it's oh man i cannot wait for this fucking siding to be done on this <laughs> oh that's complex you. <laughs> yeah i was gonna say that's not me this time guys <laughs> but uh my point was this... <laughs> my point was that this sucks for so many reasons beyond just what hey, happens we, at the point. Do we think this will, this will in the long term, have an effect that draft picks will be a little less skilled in no. the next couple of years? Just because, no? For no, me personally, uh, yeah. I don't I don't think there's any impact on the Connor McDavid's, the Mitch Marner's, whoever you want to talk about. How about second round picks, third round picks? No, because I think those kids will still, like the especially high-end NHL draft picks for the most part, are so high, high... Uh, they're in those specialized training programs from the minute they're 14 that the pandemic won't hurt them. But like, I'm thinking of guys, I, I mentioned Luke Philp. What if he would have had a year of his development in, in U sports or anywhere along the line knocked off? How could that have derailed his career? Ryan Jones was a guy who was playing junior B before he got to the NHL. What if there's a Ryan Jones out there right now whose junior B season is canceled and he just, he, he falls out of it. He doesn't get back into playing hockey. Those guys who, you know, were maybe ready to go on scholarships down South. And, I mean, I know three of them that were playing for the Crusaders. They were supposed to go to Alabama-Huntsville next season. Their scholarships wiped out because they closed down the hockey program, eventually got brought back with blah, 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 blah. But those three guys who were all tight, they were all friends, they got to go find new teams to play for. And all of a sudden, their talk of, oh, we're going to get to go down to school, play NCAA hockey together, they're split up. Like, it's those things where, you know, maybe a year from now, a guy who was supposed to go to this school down south just goes, man, I can't afford to go anymore now. And it's... Stuff like that, and you worry about the pipeline of guys playing junior hockey, right? And that, and that's kind of where I was coming from. I don't think like, I don't think there's a Connor McDavid out there who the one year of, you know, his minor hockey season being cut short is gonna like derail his career or anything. Well, yeah, and I would say too to that, Tyler, like you said, that those those top end guys, they've got specialized coaches yeah. that now have a year to really work with them and yeah. really and really hone their skills. So on the flip side, you may see a positive from the, the top level guys, but you're a hundred percent correct about the, about the ones that get left behind quote unquote. So this doesn't op- open up an opportunity for GMs to start moving draft picks instead and getting better players in turn. Well, and to me, like yeah, I, gotta I jump think, on the situation, I, I think to me, like one of the uh, things that Tyler brought up was for a lot of these kids too, you're having a year of memories just completely yeah. wiped out. For me, when I was in grade 12, I was playing midget double A. We were going to provincials. There was, you know, there was a group of 18 guys on there. We had a great time. We did all of that. And it's one of my most fond memories from high school. Not only is your general normal high school fucked up, I went to my niece's grade 12 grad last weekend, and she was given her diploma on a stage with one of those like six foot claw things that old people used to get things off shelves. It was very bizarre. So, but like, there's a whole generation of kids who they made, they're not going to go to the next level, but playing hockey with their boys, playing hockey with, um, with their friends is what they're missing out on. And that sucks. Yeah. I think you're bang on with that. Like there's so many parts of, uh, there's so many things that are being lost in all this. And, uh, local sports is something that because I'm close to it, I'm obviously passionate about you, but you mentioned it, the graduations and all that stuff. Like, those things that you're never going to get back, that that's kind of you, you feel you feel for it, right? It's tough. I I mean, like you said, this this the pandemic obviously affects everything, um, but you got to feel for some of these kids that just they just want to play sports and they got that taken away from them. So I'm glad that you wrote about it. I'm glad that you talked about it, and uh, I think it's important. Thanks, COVID. Yeah, it sucks, man. It's just like, it, it, it sucks. Speaking of COVID, obviously the news broke that right before we started um, recording, the Tampa Bay Lightning shut down their training facility after three players and two staff tested positive for COVID-19. Um, the Phillies in the MLB had to shut things down the other day because they had a bunch of players that were training in Florida with the same thing. The 49ers in the NFL. My question for you, gentlemen, is, what do you think this means for the NHL's plan to come back in August? As we're recording today, it is June, uh, June 19th. So there's, you know, there's still plenty of time, but like, 
how do you think this affects the NHL? Is it still too early? Still plenty of time? What do you think? Well, we have to remember that this is phase two, right? And so, so the people, the people that are getting infected may not be, or aren't getting infected from their teammates. Usually it's, it's people that they're interacting with in their, in their daily lives. Um, when we get into phase three and then phase four, if things are going to be bubbled up, right. And players are going to be tucked away from the public and, and there won't be this exposure yet. So you kind of hope that, that this pushes phase three and four ahead a little bit quicker, but, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's still alarming and it's always alarming to hear the numbers when they come out, but it's uh, it's, I think it's honestly to be expected. I think you're bang on with that. I think it is like, I don't think this, if sports thought they were coming back and we're going to miraculously not have any players or staff test positive, you're insane. I think, and I think they are all sort of prepared for that possibility. What with this lightning thing. And even with the Philadelphia Phillies spreads quick, man, like it, it went through that training facility. It got whatever it was, eight or nine people. They got to shut it down. And it's like, okay, that was in phase two. What about in phase three when it's a whole team there? If someone's symptoms are undetected or maybe they don't notice them for a day or two, what's going to happen if there's a team who has 12 players test positive? And out of the 30 people they have to camp, 12, they have a camp, 12 of them have to sit out for the next two weeks. And everyone else there has to be getting tested and watched. Like, it, for me, it was a sobering reminder of how quickly this season could be taken from us again, even if it comes back. Yeah, it's, I think that it's, it was a, like you said, it was a reminder. A lot of us kind of probably forgot it was happening almost, it seems like. Um, I, I mean, I know that's a generalization. That doesn't make sense in the, when you look at the whole, the big picture. But like, I feel like there's a lot of people that just kind of took their foot off the hey, we're through it. Yeah. And, uh, so I hope that this is a warning that kind of gets people to go, oh, shit. Yeah. Fuck. All right. Let's take more precautions. Let's wear the mask in public. It's, let's stay home when possible. Like, let's, let's all work together on this. Because, yeah, it would suck to lose sports for the year. Mm-hmm. But there's, like Tyler said a little bit earlier, talk about um, local sports. There's the entire community that you're in that is that can be affected about it as well so all i'm saying is let's look out for each other right right seems easy enough right dan yep thank you (laughs) gentlemen gentlemen we've only got uh 10 minutes left in this week's podcast which brings us to the oodle noodle hot and cold performers of the week tyler please get your buttons ready Mm -hmm. as always our friends at Oodle Noodle are donating 10% from all takeout, dine-in, and curbside pickup orders to local charities. Uh, this week, they're donating to the Kids with Cancer Society. They're doing great work in the community, and they want to do their part to help. So if you are near any of their 13 locations and looking for something to eat, stop in, give them a call, get a curbside order, and know that not only are you going to be fed well, but also that you're going to be doing your part to help local charities as well. So shout out to the folks at Oodle Noodle for making that happen. I know Jay will be talking about this a little bit more on Nation Happy Hour coming up tonight at 5.30. So that's Wednesday and Friday at 5.30. Jay always gives a rundown on what Oodle Noodle is doing there as well. So looking at the hot and cold performance of the week, we're going to start with the cold side, as we always do, boys. As you're thinking about it, I'll go ahead and get started. Earlier this week, I took my dog out for a walk, as I do. Did a little uh, walk past my vehicle to make sure it was still there. Uh, if you do want to steal my vehicle, by the way, I do have replacement insurance on it. So feel free. Um, <laughs> Someone from I an insurance see... company is going to be listening to this and you're going to be fucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what? Don't steal my vehicle, please. <laughs> Too late. Uh, for the record, do not steal it. Um, but yeah, somebody broke my window. I walked up and I had my back window smashed out. Now, admittedly, I'm open to the oppor- the possibility that they were cutting the grass and shot a rock through it or something. Did they take anything? That. No, nothing was taken. So that's why I'm open to the opportunity or the idea that maybe they were cutting grass, landscaping, and shot a rock through it. It happens. Is there a rock in there with a lot of grass like rubbed on it? Well, that's a good question, my friend. I did a <laughs> thorough investigation, and there was no rock inside. There was no rock near the vehicle, and there was no grass thrown about the tires or anything like that so what am i we need a, we need a detective detective what Chalmers. am i led to believe 
Yeah, if you haven't listened to yesterday's real life, listen to Chalmers' story about uh, when he chased down a guy that stole his truck. It was hilarious. Uh, but my cold performer of the week is going out to whichever D-bag broke the window in my whip. Thank you. Mr. Rick, your Oodle Noodle cold performer of the week. Well, I know a lot of you guys are uh, staying at home or trying to stay at home, so you probably haven't wandered too far downtown lately. And I know this is on repeat because this happens every every year around the same time for the same amount of same period of time. But construction is getting fucking out of control downtown. <laughs> it is absolutely ridiculous. Down, like let's figure this shit out. Let's let's just do one road, finish it, start the next road. Don't start, stop, start, stop, start, stop, start, stop all over the goddamn city. Please. Oh, that's cold. I like the please at the end of that. <laughs> Mr. Nation, Dan, your oodle noodle cold performer of the week. Well, it's uh, it's it's one of those things where we're in such news cycles now where it's like, what is going to be the next fire that's going to make us forget the previous fire that we saw? But the Buffalo Sabers this week have had one of the one of the biggest uh, the biggest weeks from a team in recent memory where they went and fired their entire staff. Sands, uh, Ralph Kruger, who somehow avoided getting fired when he got fired on Skype previously, uh, including their AHL team as well. So yeah, the Buffalo Sabres are my cold performer of the week. And I think, I think that the Oilers have had a longstanding run of being the, the joke of the league, but I think the Buffalo Sabres with their moves this week have taken that crown from us. It's now all theirs and they can, they can have some fun relenting in the media in the anguish that is all NHL fans making fun of them. So Buffalo Sabres, my cold performer of the week. I also think as uh, Oilers fans, we should, we need to remember more often that we should be thanking the Buffalo Sabres because in 2015, they tanked. It was the tank of all tanks. They were fishing for Connor McDavid. Tim Murray was convinced they were going to get him. And when Edmonton won the lottery, he said, well, shucks or whatever he said, basically pissing on Jack Eichel's face without actually saying anything about it. And then the year before, they yeah, also year picked, before they also picked Sam Reinhart in front of instead of Leon Draisaitl. So, I want to go ahead and thank the Buffalo Sabres for their fine work. They're doing good things over there in Buffalo. I appreciate you. Uh flipping the ledger of course to the hot performers of the do week. It, do I get to go? Oh, you didn't oh. go. <laughs> so you know what you can uh, you can name me my your cold performer of the week for forgetting about Tyler. <laughs> it's okay. Hashtag, your noodle noodle cold performer of the week. Hashtag block your rum truck. Uh, my cold performer of the week, not just slow golfers, but slow golfers who don't let you play through. Yesterday I went golfing. Tea time at six thirty. Nine holes. I want to take my girlfriend out because I'm starting to teach her how to golf. Her first time on a not par three course. So it was a big day for us. She's not very good. We by no means golf fast. The group in front of us goes off. It's uh, two couples. We finish the first hole. We wait for them to be off the green. We finish the first hole, par four. We are walking. We get to the second hole. This group is still teeing off. No one in front of them. It took us. We got to the end of the fourth hole. I did this whole rant today on the radio, so I'm sorry if anyone's hearing this for the second time. Um, But we got to the end of the fourth (laughs) hole. It was, our tee down was at 6.30. It was 8.15. We were just getting to the fourth hole. In two hours. In almost two hours, man. So we finished the fourth hole. And again, this group is slow. I After the second hole, we walk up to the tee box. And the one lady turns to the other guy and goes, should we let them play through? And he goes, nah. And gets in his cart and drives off. I'm like, how are you guys going this slow? I know there's four of you and two of us. But you're in power carts. Also, it's taken us almost two hours. So I did something I've never done before. I skipped. A, I skipped a hole. Oh. I was like, "Fuck it, I don't care." I'm. Sk- it's gonna be like ten fifteen by the time we get out of here. So uh, I skipped a hole. Never done that before. But anyways, my slow performer of the week: slow golfers because they are just fucking ass right now. <laughs> There's a well, so like I had a question though like. There was no marshal that was kind of cruising around or anything like that. Nope, they didn't. Not right, not right now. Yeah, oh, I was. So a lot mad. of marshals aren't on the course right now. It's lawless yeah. on the golf courses. You should have started firing some drives down them. Oh man, breaking news! While we're uh, right, while we're talking here, yeah, Austin I saw that. Matthews has tested positive for COVID nineteen. It's getting real. It's a lot of it's sports real. news in one day. We're getting a lot of sports news. 
Where is he? He's not in Toronto, is he? I think he's in Arizona. Uh, and I mean, that could, uh, I'm, I'm just scanning this while we're talking here to see. Gone into quarantine at his home in Arizona, hoping to be healthy enough to eligible to try, uh, travel to Toronto and participate in camp July 10th. So he's right now, he's in Arizona and he's quarantined at home in Arizona. Jeez. Well, I mean, he's doing what he has to do, right? And obviously you want uh, Austin Matthews, one of the biggest stars in the league, to be back and healthy for hopefully when this thing gets going again. So, Also, Freddie Anderson, their goalie, has spent a lot of time with him during yeah. uh, during this break as well. Well, yeah. He's, I mean, no I was... longer li- he's no longer living with Matthews and no longer in Arizona, so I don't know when their last uh, cross pass was, but uh, so he might be okay. But yeah. oh, This is tricky. It's tricky. Obviously, you want Austin Matthews to bounce back. Um, but it's going to be interesting. Well, dude, to honestly, the for, the most part, for the most part, for the most part, when these guys get this, it's, it's, it's very, very small, right? Like, it's yep. Zeke had it and didn't even know, you know, so many guys have had it and didn't even really know about it. So, hopefully, it just follows along suit with with everybody else where it's just, you know, you get it, it's gone. Sure, you had a couple of days where it wasn't too rough, and, and that's for the most part because we've seen the other half of it. and It, it looks really bad on the other side. So hopefully, um, hopefully that's where he's at. Is on one of those people that can just kind of skate through it and have minimal effects. Um, finishing up the hot, the hot and cold performers of the week, we're flipping to the ledger. Going to the hot side, Nation Danier, Oodle Noodle, hot performer of the week. Well, it uh, has to include a couple of the uh, a couple of my fellow podcasters right here. Uh, but it's my buddy and family friend Jordan Buhat and the Nation Real Life crew for that interview. This week it was uh, a lot of fun to listen to you guys. Did a great job asking questions, and and he's just a fun uh, fun dude to listen to. So good job to you guys, and good job, Jordan. Cash money. Uh, go download, subscribe to Real Life Podcast. Yeah, Jordan was great. He uh, was super excited. He was wearing a Keep Nuge yeah. Forever tee on the call. He uh, he's just a massive Oilers fan. He's also he's also an Owen Radio listener as well. So shout out to Jordan Buhat. He was great. New season of Grownish hopefully starts recording uh, recording soon. That's what he told us, right, Tyler? Like they're hoping to get back to work fairly soon. Yeah, he said he said they're hoping to get back at it right away here. Mister Yeremchuk, I'm not going to forget you this time. <sighs> Your Oodle Noodle Hot Performer of the Week. I know, and now I'm on the spot, and I don't remember what my pick was going to be. Um, the, I'm going to give uh, no, I'm going to give a thumbs up. I didn't do this last week. I'm going to give a thumbs up to golf, man. They seem to be coming back. I mean, they had a player test positive. They removed him from the tournament before it started. They isolated him, all that stuff. But, you know, today there was a lot of negative news with COVID and sports returning, obviously. But golf has been good. They've come back. No major issues. The sport looks great. It's on TV. I can watch it. I can bet on it. So for me, I am personally very, very happy that golf is back. So my shout-out goes to the PGA Tour. I love mixing that one in there. So good. Rick, your Oodle Noodle Hot Performer of the Week. Well, this might be a little on the nose, but I'm going to give it to uh, Oodle Noodle themselves. Uh, if you've watched them, what they've been doing during this whole three months of, of weirdness, they've been providing food and meals for a lot of uh, less fortunate people throughout at least the city, as far as I understand. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to give it out to Oodle Noodle and, and Jay and Sonny and everyone else who uh, is involved in, in helping uh, the less fortunate get through these times. <laughs> I love the delay sometimes. Whoop. It's the best. Uh, my Oodle Noodle Hot Performer of the Week, I'm gonna, we talked about it, but I'm going to give it another shout-out. Uh, I want to give Cooper Marodi a shout-out for Agape, uh, the song he wrote to honor Colby Cave. Um, all proceeds from that song go to the Colby Cave Memorial Foundation. So my Oodle Noodle Hot Performer of the Week is Agape by Cooper Marodi. This is hot. It was hot. Great tune, too. Um, from all of us at Oilers Nation Radio, I want to thank our friends at Sherwood Ford the Giant, SkipTheDishes.ca, and Oodle Noodle for making all of this possible. I also want to thank you, the listener, for being here. Please download, subscribe, tell a friend, tell a coworker, tell a relative, tell whoever you see on the street that they should be listening to Oilers Nation Radio. That's episode 91. Have a great weekend, everybody. Shout out, Damien. Thanks for listening to Oilers Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media to stay up to date and never miss a podcast. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.